0: Uh, I know you see people do this every week, but it is actually a little bit scary, so, you know. Uh, Let's start with a quick story. A few years ago, I met a lady who lives near me, who I'd never seen before, though she'd lived in the village far longer than I had. This week, she turns 103. And although she's confined almost entirely to her bedroom, she is super bright, and her party trick is to be able to say the alphabet backwards, something I haven't nailed, and I never will. She also watches countdown to keep her brain sharp and she tells me that maybe her hearing's not so great perhaps because of her age. I'm like yeah maybe. But she is the most consistent prayer warrior I've ever come across. Most of the people she's ever met have died. She's old she's outlasted them. But morning and evening she prays for her family, for me, my family and the doctors and nurses. I'm like, what a ministry, 103. Why am I telling you this? Because I don't want any of you to count yourselves out from what I'm going to say today. Okay. So whenever we look at the Bible, it's really helpful to look at what happened just before, who's involved, when it happened. um, And so we're going to do that today. Today we're looking at a time early in Jesus' teaching career well before his death and resurrection. He had been teaching the crowds, but had only just called his 12 disciples by name. So what had he been teaching? Matthew 4.23 says, Jesus had been teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news of the kingdom. He was blowing everyone's minds by turning upside down everything they thought they knew. For example, the Old Testament limited revenge in a certain way. Jesus said, no, avoid revenge altogether. Uh, The Jewish people had been taught to love their neighbors. Jesus like, well, that's good, but you need to love your enemies as well. Jesus said that you can't serve God if you really have your faith, your love, your trust in money. He said we shouldn't worry about our lives but neither should we judge other people's lives. And he told, his, he told the crowds to take the initiative in doing to other people what they would want done to themselves. And then he followed up with this very stern warning. He says, Not everyone who calls out, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, only those who actually do the will of my Father. It's not one of my favorite verses. What's he saying? What's the will of the Father? All those things he's just been teaching about. And he wasn't just using words. In Matthew 9.35, it says that Jesus announced the good news of the kingdom and healed every kind of disease. Show and tell. Restoration. One life at a time. And what was he thinking? So he was announcing the kingdom, he's showing the kingdom... But what was his attitude, what was was his motive, what was he like? Matthew 9.36 says, "...when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd." Now, maybe you've only ever seen sheep from a distance uh, or on TV, but a friend of mine has been in the farming community all her life, and she told me last week that sheep have the ability to drown themselves in a puddle. They're not the brightest. Uh, But Jesus likens his beloved humanity, his creation, to these creatures that are prone to self-inflicted problems, getting frequently lost or stuck. Cute, but grubby. And rather than avoid us or, or stand back in frustration or condemnation, Jesus, our good shepherd, draws close, full of love. He tells the truth and he deals with practical needs. This is our saviour and guide. So we get to chapter 10 in Matthew, where Jesus calls his 12 disciples by name and gives them authority to do what he'd been doing, the announcing of the kingdom, the healing, the having compassion on people. Be like me, Jesus said, empowered by the same Holy Spirit. And then he gives this half-page manual on bringing the kingdom. Let's read it together. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Don't take any money in your money belts, no gold, no silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals, or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality, because those who work deserve to be fed. Whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand, and if it is not, take the blessing back. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on judgment day. Look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves, be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. that is the passage for today. And notice the people that Jesus called to bring the kingdom. The chosen twelve were far from perfect. It includes Judas, who's famous for ultimately betraying Jesus. And they were all rebuked in future passages, whether that's for not having enough faith, um, for trying to do healing without prayer, for getting the wrong end of the stick, or falling asleep when Jesus had told them to pray not to mention abandoning him at, their moment of great, at his moment of greatest need. So bringing the kingdom is surely an integral part of growing as a disciple, somewhere where we learn, not something we graduate into. So let's go through step by step. Verses 5 and 6 tell us who Jesus said to go to. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions don't go to the Gentiles or Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. So Jesus' first offer of the kingdom is to the Jews. He describes the people of Israel as God's lost sheep, people who had wandered away from the original plan and got themselves stuck in rules and religion. Why just go to the Jews? Is that a word for us today? Well, the 12 chosen disciples mirror the 12 tribes that were originally called in the Old Testament, and God wanted to invite them into, the, into kingdom life first. But in other passages, uh, Luke 10, Jesus sends out 72 followers, so it's not just the 12 that are called and we get to sit back. And at the very end of Matthew, uh, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all the nations. So now we can be clear, this command is for everyone, for all of us followers, and to everyone, to all the nations. So these were just strategic instructions for a specific time. So that was who to go to, now we know everyone. But what to do and say, verses 7 and 8 say, Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near, heal the sick raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. So it's go. Announce the kingdom. That is, either the kingdom is near or has come or is coming soon. Different ways of translating the same thing. Heal the sick and give freely. Such punchy verbs. So very different to sit back, keep your head down, look after number one and hope someone else will go. Go, announce, heal, give. And notice he says, he's basically sending them out to the sick, not to the influencers, to the poor, not to those who are already um, thinking something of themselves. And I don't know about you, but I've never met anyone with leprosy, and I haven't yet had occasion to raise anyone from the dead. But there are plenty of people in Reading who need hope and healing countless opportunities to speak freedom and give generously. Jesus clearly expects a very active response from his followers, far more than simply agreeing that he is who he says he is. So even before we're ready, we are nudged out of the nest, blessed to be a blessing, just like Abraham was in the Old Testament. Jesus calls his followers to be like him, not just to like him. Go, announce, heal, give. Make a tangible difference in the world by bringing God's kingdom. I wonder, does that sound like your life? Is that part of your thinking, your praying, your spending of money and time? Or is it time for a change? The next verses, 9 to 13, Jesus talks about how we should go. He says, Don't take any money in money belts, no gold, silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality, because those who work deserve to be fed. Whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If not, take back the blessing. These are interesting instructions. Perhaps we can draw out some themes. The first thing I noticed is that Jesus calls his disciples together. Contrary to our highly individualistic culture, we are called to bring God's kingdom together. Here he calls 12, and in other passage, he specifically sends out followers two by two, Sheep don't do very well on their own. When we consider local mission activity at RFC, we look for six or more RFCs who are committed to serving together. And this is how the pantry started. Uh, It's been such a joy for me to see our team use their individual skills to love and serve our pantry members. And I think this team has the greatest age spread that we have so far. Our youngest is not yet six months, and our eldest are our beloved grandparents. Everyone contributing something precious. And it's not just that we need each other. We want to offer people kingdom community, not just community service. Let people see what it's like to live in the kingdom, how we relate to each other, how we do things, how we prioritise people. And we're also looking to start an English conversation group as a means to offer hospitality and to serve people from overseas. So if you like building friendships with people from other countries, do sign up to the introduction evening on the 8th of November on Church Street, when Marina, who's one of our beloved sisters, will be telling us um, about how 219, Teach to Reach, uses these groups to enable churches, to bless their local communities, people who are coming in from overseas. If we can form a team, we will run a weekly gathering next term as a pilot on a weeknight as a life group, a life group on mission, showing kingdom hospitality to internationals. Isn't it? We're also looking in supporting the work of Faith Christian Group, who are setting up two winter night shelters from January to March next year. You might have seen it in E! News. Two shelters are planned, one for regular rough sleepers and one for those who've recently been granted asylum but have been kicked out of their accommodation and not given very much time, maybe only even a week, to find alternative accommodation, um, set up their benefits or apply for work, which is obviously not enough. We all know that. Some of you have been involved in these winter night shelters pre-COVID, but if not, imagine this. A group of RFCers gathering at one of these shelters to serve food, talk, play games with the guests, creating home for those that don't have one. Another life group with a mission. And there are two sessions of training required. So if you'd like to register interest, please do so on ChurchSuite. The next section is verse uh, 9 and 10 where Jesus says, Don't take any money in your money belts. No gold, silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes or sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. Look how simply the disciples were sent out. No cash, no fundraising campaign, no budget, no spares, no kit, no delays. Just enough, but no more. Not having stuff must never keep us from bringing the kingdom. And as Sean said on Vision Sunday, if not now, then when. We must not let the lack of a building, a permanent pre- um, presence in this town, stop us from g- bringing the kingdom to this place. I just keep thinking if the disciples went out without a, pair of sh- a spare pair of shoes. <laughs> we've got no reason not to just go. And we see this worked out in the Chapter 2 Mentors as an example, where RFC guys are matched with lads across Reading growing up without a dad. Their goal as mentor is to be a consistent, loving presence with their lad, reflecting the kindness of God that they themselves have received. And these lads often face many challenges that statistically suggest they'd have pretty poor outcomes in their rest of their lives. It does cost the mentors emotionally to keep on turning up. It's not easy. But they go with no kit, perhaps for a walk, maybe fixing something, or going for an ice cream. Here's some recent feedback from three mentees. My men- So think about a young lad growing up without a dad, often with multiple difficult circumstances in their homes, very unstable, lots of difficulty. This is one. My mentor has helped me with a lot of stuff with my confidence and speaking to people. I was well-matched with my mentor. We're on the same wavelength, and both like being outdoors and going out on our bikes. I trust my mentor. Talking to him, knowing he's not going to pass it all on to someone else or gossip, we've built trust over the years. These are life-changing relationships. And if you want to know more, do seek out Jeff, at the front here on the desk, or Yinka, who is somewhere around. Yinka, where are you? Hiding? I saw him earlier, maybe he's just legged it. Uh, okay, so we don't need kit, specialist qualifications, or cash. We can go with what Jesus has given us. Verses 11 to 13, Jesus said, when you enter a city or a village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand, and if not, take back the blessing. Jesus assumes our presence and closeness with those we are reaching out to, just as he came to be with us. He didn't just send a message. He was the message. So local mission isn't hit and run, but intentionally being with those with whom we seek to see God's kingdom come. Maybe you've tried things in the past and wonder what will reach your neighbors. Events are not compelling. I think the people of Reading need to know followers of Jesus. So local mission activity is simply creating spaces for this to happen. Not that you need to be restricted by what we're doing here. I keep thinking, maybe we should have like a group of business people on mission, maybe we should have a group of educators on mission, there's, there's people across our church family that are serving and bringing the kingdom in their workplace, and I don't want to distract them from that, but let's, let's unite and work together in it. Uh, you may have heard of our debt centre, it's a great bridge to people who are struggling financially, but debt help and budgeting is just the start. We want to see the fullness of the kingdom, where the lonely are set in family, and they have hope now, as well as into their future. Last week, it was a complete joy to see a dear lady who we'd met in cap come along to an RFC gathering, and she discovered an instant connection with another lady. And at least to me, she actually looked different by the end of the evening, lighter, more hopeful. She had been loved. She had been welcomed another step forward in bringing God's kingdom as strangers are welcomed in. But perhaps over time, you've accidentally slipped into a Christian bubble where everyone you know already knows Jesus. So maybe in this season, leading up to the celebration of Jesus' birthday, you might find a way to pop it, making time with other RFCS to be with, to bless, and to love people outside church. Interestingly, over the last year, the vast majority of people coming to Alpha have found their way in through friendships. RFC is bringing co-workers, old friends, neighbours, dear people they would met through CAP or through rainbows. One lady did come through town outreach in Reading, which is very exciting, but none have come just from seeing a poster or a flyer or the website. Those things are a great starting point, and they get the word out. But unless people see the difference Jesus makes, people living radical, other-centered, love-focused lives, all the stuff he was teaching on just before this passage, how will they see the kingdom? Why would they want to find out more? Joseph Hellerman is a New Testament professor from America. He said, people did, so he's talking about the early church, People did not choose to follow Jesus solely because of what the early Christians believed. They converted because of the way in which the early Christians behaved. Our new pantry in Whitley Woods opened in partnership with our dear friends from Faith Christian Group, who also head up the Ready Food Project, has given us a wonderful way to be with local people every week. Our friendly team share tea and coffee and chat in a warm space with Whitleywood residents, and if they're struggling financially uh, on restricted and low incomes, as many are in that area, they can pay five pounds to choose ten items from our little shop. And all those items have come from you guys, so I just wanted to say thank you so much. If you've been donating into the pantry outside, in those green boxes, your things are being very well received and making a difference. In our first month, we had an average of 12, no, 13 shoppers each week. So that's 130 groceries shared each week. And I was just thinking, that's not a huge amount to collect for a church of over 500. In fact, if we all bought one item per week, we could open the pantry to 50 households. And it's not just about the food. It's about dismantling isolation and loneliness, developing a little outpost of the kingdom, a community of witness. We pray each week before opening and one of the pantry members recently said these lovely people are amazing and make my week every Tuesday thank you so much. Now she doesn't know that what she's experiencing is the love of Jesus that's flowing through us but we have invited her to church and told us that we have told her we're followers of Jesus. I hope that she'll bring her family soon. It's proving a great place for us to learn. Unexpected things happen each week, and we're learning together, nudging each other and those we're with a step closer to Jesus each time, choosing generosity over stinginess, patience over impatience, and a kind response to a grumpy comment. That last one was me, by the way. And it's still, um, yeah, it's quite easy to say we're a team from RFC, but we're, we're practicing getting our words out, saying we're followers of Jesus, offering prayer, um, inviting into church family, maybe coming along to an event that we're doing. And two pantry members came along to an RFC um, event last week. They got to meet more RFCers who loved them and made them feel welcome. So I feel like each week, we're just a little step, a little step, reassuring people that there is a God who loves them, and they are welcome in our family. Nowadays, at least in my experience, few people outside the church are actually asking spiritual questions, but they are super thirsty for community, kindness, hope, and in Jesus, through the church, we have all that in abundance. Abundance. Another place we see this is Rainbows, our two toddler groups, who've been meeting and supporting local families for many years. What a blessing to a new parent, far from home, new to Reading, or struggling at home, to know that at least once a week they will get a warm welcome by the people of God, and their little one will be safe and they can rest. Verse 14 is... Any household or town refuses to welcome you and listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. So we go in servant mode. We go full of compassion, but also confidently sharing Jesus. Compassion and confidence. We're not ashamed of the gospel. We bless those we meet and we are not discouraged by those who aren't yet ready. Shaking the dust of your feet in a Jewish town was a clear and strong rebuke. It's a serious business to um, decide not to follow Jesus. But the disciples remained full of compassion and confidence in Jesus, not knocked by those that weren't ready, as I say. And I always remember when I worked in CAP, John Kirby, the founder, he taught us to dust off discouragements, this whole idea of brushing off the dust. Such a useful reminder. Let's not allow the heavy dust of people's indifference or apathy to weigh us down or put us off. Verse 15, I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on judgment day. I was quite surprised when Andy gave me this passage, but anyway, we press on. Sodom and Gomorrah were two cities mentioned very early in the Bible, way before Jesus, and known to be especially wicked. So why was it better for them than any of the Jewish listeners who rejected the disciples' message? Perhaps because the people of Sodom and Gomorrah never got to hear about Jesus. This, there's a biblical principle that says the more you have, the more responsibility you have to act on it. Luke 12:48 says, For everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded, and from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. It is sobering stuff. If you know Jesus, that is such a gift to your life, but it comes with responsibility. What are we doing with that? What are we doing with the the knowledge, the resources, the platform at work, our homes, our money, all those other things God has given us? These days, society is so busy and distracted, and we often live far away from our families. So we're in thinner communities than in the past. And if we don't have time to do something, and if we can pay, someone will step in, whether that's walking your dog, planning your party, delivering your shopping or cleaning your house. But let's never allow a similar idea to creep into our discipleship. Whereby we're so busy that we unconsciously think we can pay the pros to study the Bible for us or do our praying or care for the poor or even tell other people about Jesus for us. Remember, Jesus knows his sheep. He loves us. He knows our age, our experience, our gender, our skills, our gifts, our limitations and failures, and all of those things prepare us for mission. You and I are no accident. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, gifted and sent. Finally, in verse 16, Jesus said, look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. What a great combo. We're sheep and we're doves. Jesus' followers are to be non-threatening, non-violent, peaceful. Snakes, on the other hand, are typically a negative image in the Bible, even representing the enemy. But here Jesus invites us, his followers, to use a snake's cunning and shrewdness, alongside great gentleness, to bring God's kingdom. Jesus knows we are sheep with a nasty enemy, but when sheep listen to the shepherd, stick together and follow the wisdom he's given us, God's kingdom advances. So we bring God's kingdom in Reading together, believing and telling people that the kingdom is at hand and inviting them into kingdom community, not just offering a community service. We don't let what we don't, what we don't have form a barrier to obedience and we go out with Jesus' compassion and confidence in Jesus. We brush off disappointment time and time again and go again. We seek to be filled and led by the Spirit so that as church, we can be beautiful and gentle as a dove whilst just as shrewd as serpents, learning as we go like sheep among wolves but with a wonderful shepherd who has already laid his life down for us. And that is the end of the passage. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we see that you sent out your 12, I'm sure before they felt they were ready. And maybe some here don't feel they're ready. But we want to be obedient disciples following after you and doing what you said. So Lord, um, we, Reading Family Church, want to be your people, part of your mission in this town. And so, um, come, Lord God, come, Holy Spirit, come, compassion of Jesus, fill our hearts and send us out. And whilst the band are... Going to be playing. I was going to say, come up to the front if you want prayer, but what I would really like is for everybody to engage. So maybe with the person you sat next to, the person you came to, or a stranger, I would love it if whilst the band is playing, you could talk about one thing maybe that you got from this message. And I, when I say that, I always think of John Mumford, who heads up the Vineyard Church or founded it in England. He said, It's a pretty poor chicken that can't find a single grain in a pile of poo so if you can find that single grain from what you've heard today talk about that and and maybe pray for each other this is something for everyone it's not for one or two who might come up the front so i'm going to just finish there and then after a few minutes the hosts will come up and close the meeting okay